Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Stephen. Love of my life. I know. Will you heart me? I heart you. I heart you. I give you my heart. Here it is. Do you like Valentine's Day? Um, I, mean, I, I ought to be, to be honest. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> well, regardless, uh, happy Valentine. And I, it's know, so, what I was going to say is yeah. I don't, I don't usually remember, remember it. I don't usually know it's Valentine's Day. And I guess I don't help you with that much. <laughs> Until I get it right. <laughs> You're not like, good morning. <laughs> My flower. Um, no, I I always notice it when I get all the marketing emails. Oh yeah. Valentine's Day sale, and then I'm and then I remember. What a holiday. What a what a day. So, <laughs> I love you. I love everybody. I love you especially. You are my sweetheart. <laughs> How's you that? You are my sweetheart. You see the little sign I'm making you right now. Yes. There's the heart for you. Thank you so much. But yeah, and I think that maybe. Uh, oh, I don't know when you're. Um, experiencing such a deep, transcendent love every day, then a day that's, you know, where you're sort of forced to think about it doesn't mean as much. Well, it's really great for capitalism, isn't it? Could be. Yeah. Could be. Marketing, selling, <laughs> selling candy, flowers. <laughs> yes. So let's let's talk about. I came up with a title for something us for us to kick around today. Okay. And the, the title is this: When life is not enough. Ooh. Yes, Go ahead. Please. All right. So take it and run with that. Okay. When, so when life is it was a day enough. much like today, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> hey, everybody! And it is so good to be back with yeah. another Kinetic Belief podcast. We've missed you guys yes. really intensely. Missed by the way, the KBs. And just because we've not been here doesn't mean that you are not near and dear in our thoughts, and and uh, that we're not sending out good vibes to all of you. Because that, no, that's we are. true. We we do talk about the KBs every day without fail. Just how enriching that is to our lives and how much we, we love you guys. And it's, it's a, it really is a community that you can feel. Well, somebody right now, I can hear them going, well, if you like us so much, where the heck have you been? <laughs> I know. But okay, we did this to ourselves. We, at the end of the last year, in the last, well, 10 days of December, we gave ourselves 16 concerts to do. Now, how do you do that in 10 days? I'm not going to tell you. It was um, 18, but whatever. Okay, uh, 18, 18 concerts, <laughs> and we did it in 10 days. But at the end of that run, we were just out of our heads with fatigue. Yeah, it was a little wild. And it was exciting and fun, but there were serious consequences <laughs> I still can't, to it. I'm missing a pair of shoes. I don't know where that, my other jacket is, cufflinks. Right. You left a trail, <laughs> like a Christmas trail. Wild, but yeah. but anyway, that's our excuse. It's not a very good one, though. Please I have to say. Us. I mean, we're we're all about, you know. And that's actually <laughs> a good thing. To, that's a good way to start our topic today. When life is not enough. When the month of December is not enough, perhaps. <laughs> but when yes. life is not enough, and I'm going to jump in here and just say that something I've been thinking a lot about. And that is the strange and counterintuitive behavior of quantum physics. Can you imagine that? What? Yeah. You? And quantum physics? <laughs> well. That's your true Valentine. Let's all be honest. But now think about it this way. It's counterintuitive in that it can be difficult to grasp for a lot of people. And in many conversations that I have, that we have, mm-hmm. it, it seems like when you get down into the to the smallness of quantum mechanics and you begin to consider and meditate on things like, you know, string theory, uh, particle attraction, 
and those things. It seems counterintuitive, but here's the deal. When we approach it with the right mindset, it becomes less mysterious. Yeah, agreed. And, but here's what most people don't understand, and that is that the quantum rules that govern the behavior of subatomic particles are actually the only rules in physics, and they apply to both small and large objects. So we were talking about the, just the other day, the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, well, and it showed that it's not possible to divide physics uh. into quantum rules for small things and then classical rules for big things. In other words, the idea that quantum states can exist for macroscopic objects is actually what led to the development of the many worlds interpretation of quantum theory. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I can tell by the look that you're No, hoping. I believe in you. Okay. I believe in you. So the many worlds theory, it says this, that the universe is constantly branching into all of these multiple parallel universes, right? And each one of those representing a different outcome of every possible event. Anything that's possible is, is happening supposedly in a parallel universe. Okay. Well, in this theory, every universe is real. And, but they can't interact with each other. Okay, they're totally separate. The only reason that it's controversial is because it is so difficult to test, experimentally, at least for now it is. But now where there is this overriding consensus is that this means the entire universe from the very smallest subatomic particle to the largest celestial object you can imagine or think of or that there actually is. Everything is governed by quantum rules. So... This is where things to start for myself to become mind-blowing and exciting. Human consciousness has the ability to shape reality through the act of observation. So when a person holds a belief, which is called a kinetic belief, they have the power to influence their kinetic energy or their intentional movements and then ultimately determine the state of their reality. So all of that is now science. Right. What I just described to you is now mainstream science, and but only for just a few years. So this is going to, I think we're going to rock some worlds today with the information that I want to put out there. And I feel like as kinetic believers, we're going to have sort of this like sense of, uh, I'm better than you, <laughs> you know, like, hey guys, I, I knew this a long time ago. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> so glad you caught up. It could just be a welcome podcast. To the, I welcome told to the you. show. I told you. I told you so. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, pat yourself on the back, all the kinetic believers out there, because um, you science is just now catching up with you. I mean, what a what a world to live in, what a mindset to be in. And, right. you know, yeah. just to go back really quick, you know, you started off by by just talking about these big new concepts. And I have to say, when it comes to these new ideas and connecting it with science, um, the, the most important thing that you always do for us, Steve, is you like bridge the gap between the the knowledge of, of this um, these entities and these theories and the, the true science of it and a- applying it to our life because other without that without that applicational process it's kind of like you know you saw an alien well that's great and everything but it, I have no idea how to apply that to, <laughs> to my everyday life you know what the heck am I supposed to do now I need to go to the grocery store for cereal um, so being able to take these concepts and then weave them into our life in a meaningful way is is the key because uh, otherwise really what's the point of even knowing it in the first place 
Well, and I appreciate that, but you know, I think that the lens here and the proper lens is that we're able to take philosophy that has been sounding the depths of some truth without really knowing why, other than it just feels good and it sounds good, taking that and then spiritualism or principles of faith that Jesus taught Mm -hmm. and demonstrated in his own life where he was encouraging people to believe in, you know, what they couldn't see rather than basing their lives on what they could observe. Mm. And then the science that we talk about, which is the quantum physics of all of that and the reasoning behind uh, where matter comes from, what upholds all things, what is the dark matter, what is the substance of thought. And and then overlaying these, these thought principles and finding the truth of the reality of our own existence therein. Well, you just said something that was, we shouldn't just uh, rush by here because it's really important. Um, you know, you talked about in, in the scripture somewhere, just talking about you're, you have, you're blessed if you um, don't have to see to believe, basically. And mm-hmm. so something I love about the podcast and what you're always, you know, walking us through is that it's it's truth and it's discovery that supports our pre-existing belief, our pre-existing faith and our belief and manifestation in our power as spiritual beings in the universe, as opposed to the opposite, which it seems like a small, um, you know, it seems like a small part of this, but it's not, you know, making sure that our belief comes first. And then it's sort of like, um, you know, built up under the the belief, it supports it and not the other way around. Yeah. So, and, and here's the deal, Meg, because regardless of who somebody is that may be listening right now to the podcast, wherever in the world you live, here's the challenge everybody's everyday experiences seem to be defined by what's called you know, classical laws of physics, which cause most people to believe that they are somehow separate from some alien quantum world, you know, some place that's far, far away where particles are attracted to each other and these spooky things are taking place. And, and oh, did you hear the latest? And um, all these things happening from great distances and, and all that weird kind of stuff, which, what's considered to be weird. But in reality, the truth is the classical rules are simply the result of quantum rules acting on large numbers of big objects. In other words, we're in it, so we can't necessarily see it, but we are operating by these quantum rules that we call spooky when we observe them in a in the laboratory. And that puts even more uh, pressure and weight on our words, on our thoughts, on our actions, because now not only is it just this product of us being kinetic believers, but all of a sudden it's like, well, whoa, 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 this is how mm-hmm. the whole mm-hmm. the whole universe is working this way. You know, the bl- every blade of grass blowing in the breeze has this, uh, you know, quantum effect and cause and effect. And we are actively participating in that, whether we like it or not. So if we didn't already have sort of a wake-up call, this is an even bigger one. This is even a big one because what we understand to be true and strange quantum rules that you know we've talked about for five years now on the air here also we're seeing that it applies to our everyday grown-up lives <laughs> <laughs> so a, a good example of this is what you expect to happen on the deepest level will happen mm. what you talk about is the life that you're going to experience in the quantum world our words are things the substance of which produce things. Words, we'll look at it this way. Words coagulate, you could say, into forms that can be seen. If you want to change what you have, change what you talk about. If you want positive, beautiful life experiences, start by only listening to and talking about positive, beautiful life experiences. Mm. Now, here's why 
so many physicists have hung up their lab coats to go and retreat into the wilderness. They, no one's at home. It's because the advancements over the last several years in physics that have given researchers the ability to now study how it is that the classical world emerges from the quantum world, providing all of these new insights into the power of consciousness, the authority of a human being's belief, and our role in the universe for shaping reality. And so they're dropping their scopes and saying, I can't handle this. This has gone this has gone above me, beyond me, and all around me, and it's no longer observable. Mm. And that's freaking a lot of people out. <laughs> it just is. So and because the discovery of this, it's a paradigm shift of such magnitude <laughs> that it has the potential to to reshape the very fabric of our existence. I, I was just I was just thinking, hey, if you listen to this podcast, you stopped freaking out a long time ago. <laughs> Well, I mean, who, we're, who we're used to it. So thank you for that, Steve. You can't rattle us anymore. Uh, well, oh, what? There's, there's a bunch of different versions of me simultaneously having an existence. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so you, you got that right. Okay, turn the page. Yeah. But seriously, the wonders of quantum physics for years, we have, we've marveled at its strangeness mm. and it's the, the mystique of it all. And now a revelation of, of, cosmic proportions our beliefs hold the power to shape reality itself that's a fact well if we take a step back here and we ask ourselves you know why why is it difficult sometimes to to wrap our minds and and our understanding around these new scientific discoveries um, and even the way that belief works and and it's because we're all living such a hyper sensory experience and and we are and we say it all the time but it's 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 extremely true we are spiritual entities within vessels that are operating almost 100% of the time off our senses and so to really we need to overcome that to an extent you know we have to find ways and I feel like you're probably going to tell us that today, but we have to find ways to to move you know mentally and intellectually beyond those senses and develop a depth of understanding of what's really going on spiritually around us on this quantum level so that we can tie. And it's not to deny that the physical, but we have to be able to tie all these things in together. And if we, it, well, you know, I say we have to, but only if we want to live a peak life, you know, really mm-hmm. live at the top of our potential. Well, I think it's a great point because you know, what we call the vessel that you just mentioned that's harboring these feelings. Well, either play the role of harboring uh, emotions and a state of being that is dictated by the senses, mm-hmm. or it's a vessel to contain higher consciousness, which will construct a life that, uh, from a highest viewpoint that you desire to see manifest. Mm. And so one or the other is ruling, and there's not place within the vessel, if you will, for both of those to uh Uh, coexist. Mm -hmm. So you create a vacuum by removing one intentionally, which would be the lower self, the one that is sensual to the senses, feeling its way through. You remove that. The universe abhorring a vacuum uh, ensures that higher consciousness moves in and your state of awareness uh, is increased to the point of observation and you being in control of the bias that's Mm -hmm. going to manifest the life you desire. Well, and that's what happens naturally, right? Like that's just the organic outcome of, of pursuing kinetic belief. So if you do this day after day, year after year, um, the source from which you're pulling all of your thoughts and ideas and, um, 
you know, your inspirations, your motivations. It's not the lower self, the sensory self anymore. It's automatically moves into the higher self. And, and that does, that absolutely automatically happens from journaling, from casting down certain imaginations, from only saying the things you want to see show up. Uh, that process leads to that. Well, it can autom- automatically happen or it can, every once in a while, the, the lower conscious state of being, the ego, will accidentally happen upon some miracle. And it just seemingly comes from nowhere. Mm. And, but the power of kinetic belief, is di- which is demonstrated through action and, and stems from the Greek word meaning to move, it, that's the fabric of what's been called a miracle until now. So those miracles don't have to just come randomly every once in a while. Well, so-and-so <laughs> was miraculously healed. Why wasn't uh, Bertha? Why didn't she yeah. or why didn't Myrtle get her healing or her, sure. why didn't she, how come she, why can't she manifest a million dollars when uh, Alice has done that? Well, and that's something that, you know, you've, you and I have had such great conversations about recently, um, about how even more than we believed before, our reality is our own. Um, and so staying in our lane and not trying to un- even understand someone else's, you know, spiritual state, their capabilities, their processes is... Well, yet again, just even more of the kinetic belief process than maybe we realized. Well, and think about it like this. In this vast cosmos, it's no mere happenstance that a human being, which is a vessel for housing consciousness, when it produces a belief held with a fervent passion and a vivid imagination, shapes the physical reality of the conscious expectation. Just a couple of months ago, it was in, in December, the Physics Nobel Prize was awarded for the confirmation of quantum entanglement, which was wow. first thought of by Albert Einstein in 1935. So what is that? What's 80 years later? The, the phenomenon of entanglement says that the universe is a single unified whole. Whoa, in other words, the belief is the belief is that everything is part of one. Now now stay with me for a minute because this is this is profound. It's it is so exciting to see that researchers such as um, uh, Leonard Susskind and Sean Carroll that they're now exploring how this hidden quantum reality explains not only the existence of matter but also the fabric of space and time. So here it is, eighty years after knowledge about entanglement. Why is it now so valuable to earn a Nobel Prize? Well, the answer lies in the fact that entanglement is so much more than just some kind of strange quantum phenomenon. Well, then what is it? It is the, it's, the very, it's the very principle behind the creation of our world and the merging of the quantum world into one. Entanglement is also the reason why we seem to live in this classical reality, making it the literal glue and the creator of worlds. So there's some irony in the fact that we still consider quantum physics to be strange and weird. Because the reason, the reason people still think that it's strange and weird, Meg, is because their own limited beliefs are actually what's strange and weird. It's not the rules of the quantum world that govern everything that's weird and strange. It's just the people's... Um, uh, inability or not inabilities, they have the ability, but their, their lack of willfulness to consider things to be authentically different than what the senses are telling them. The, uh, the phenomenon of entanglement is what manifests objects that are composed of all of these multiple components. And 
It's the consequence of all that is possible occurring. In other words, it's how anything that a person can think of or imagine can actually happen. We're now down and we've lifted up the hood and we're looking into the engine of what causes manifestations. Mm. And just like you and I were talking about during breakfast over the weekend, the entangled state is the superposition it, or the all things being possible combinations that an object can can be in. And this is probably why we never have breakfast with anyone else. But that's what we're talking about. And so that's a superposition. Anything is possible. And classically speaking, entanglement shows how a person's life can be altered to remanifest. So that saying that you hear often, well, it is what it is. That's why I don't like it. Because it, it may be what it is now, but it doesn't have to be what it is. We, we now know that we can remanifest mm. or reanimate into any situation we should choose. In other words, you can be homeless or live in a palace. You can be powerful or weak, healthy or sick, wealthy or poor, happy or sad, lonely or living your best life with, with a companion. All things are simultaneously possible with the birth of any circumstance emerging that's been codified by kinetic belief. Well, and this reveals why it's so, so important for us to take the time to meditate and to strengthen our imagination because so many of the things that we want in life and then also that even you could say the universe wants for us, these are things that maybe we've never even physically experienced them before. Maybe you've never even been exposed to it in a, in a realistic way. Maybe it's something that we've only seen in movies. Like it just so much of that being what we can imagine comes back to our experiences of the past, but we don't want the past. We want our, our new future. Um, and so it, it just leaves me wondering, you know, what are, what are ways that we can strengthen the ability to imagine our ability to imagine something that we have no recollection of and no, no connection to. Because this is going to be vital. You, you just use the word reanimate. I love that word. Um, because it's that simple, but it's also that important. Because that means that what, whatever we're holding on to in our mind, that vivid imagery of this type of life or this thing that we need in our life, um, you know, how, how do we do that beyond, you know, maybe writing it down or, or thinking? Because I, I just know with myself, Many times I think I'm imagining something great and grand. And then when I really take stock, I see that I have really limited myself with the extent that I'm willing to believe I can have something or the level that I believe something can go to. And so I sort of have to do the work to break beyond that. Well, you hit on it. Journaling is still the most powerful way to bring and manifest change in your life. And the reason is you can continue to go back to what your highest expectation is in your journal Mm. and maintain that as a status quo because life is liquid and things are coming at you every day and you'll drift and your ideas will drift. And it's a natural tendency to uh, be swept away to into areas of least resistance yeah. to to settle for less or to think it's beyond your ability or it's just too hard or you can't afford something or whatever it is. So the journaling helps to maintain that status quo of yes. an expectation. It helps you maintain it. And, you know, if you think about it for a second, it also helps you. Um, it, acts, it acts really like a mirror. Um, you know, you realize, well, gosh, you know, all I did was journal that I'd really like to have a thousand dollars. 
I think I can go. I can think I could do <laughs> yeah. more. You know, I think I could right. ask for more. Yeah. I think I could believe for more. But you know, these mm-hmm. are subconscious limiting beliefs that many, many times you don't even realize you have until you sort of like unearth that part of yourself. And that's all a new frontier, isn't it? Yeah. So believing yeah. for a thousand dollars today is perhaps your first step out into the wilderness. But that new frontier is a, a, a filled with with um, unlimited resources, unlimited miracles, unlimited. It's only limited by your expectations. And yeah. this is the thing that makes me want to jump up and run out the front door right now, leaving you here by yourself. I am just so, <laughs> it just it makes me. I don't so, think any of us want that. Steve. So excited. <laughs> uh, well, because. <laughs> quantum, go, I can't tell you how fast it would derail. Well, I'm not going to. Okay, good, I'm going to stay good, right good, here. Good. But I will say this. Quantum entanglement. <laughs> gives us an extraordinary opportunity to explore an entirely new frontier like mm. we're talking about. I love, I love that, the new frontier. Yeah, it's so hopeful. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because it it's not only a revelation of the vastness of the universe, but it takes us beyond the universe. Now listen, it's beyond the universe. It signifies there is a... The, the things that are being revealed now signifies there's a complete revolution in the foundation of science that's taking place right now. Mm. Things that were are being talked about as we're here talking about this. They're on you know, there are books being written, papers that are being published. In the last three months, you know, the the world of um, quantum mechanics is being completely turned inside out. You know, the Nobel Prize in December for quantum entanglement. This discovery's turned our pursuit of a theory of everything upside down on its head, pushing us to shift now from particle physics or string theory to the building and construction of quantum cosmology. And it's really incredible. This means that our understanding of space-time is no longer considered the fundamental bedrock of science. Now, can you begin to imagine the implications that, that are going to come from this? I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's any, um, uh, it's not just random in some way that it's coinciding with AI and, and uh, metaverse and all these other things and robotics because the quantum cosmology there's so many implications, and this has enormous ramifications, Meg. Researchers at the forefront of quantum gravity have begun to rethink space-time. <laughs> I, I wasn't even ready for with. I wasn't even ready with the original. <laughs> All right, well, we're moving beyond it now, so you didn't waste any time. You know, I had to laugh. You're like, you're like, yeah, our um. Our understanding of space-time is the bedrock. I'm like, the bedrock of what? <laughs> well, it better, My understanding better not be the bedrock. It's okay that you didn't show up for class because <laughs> there is an increasing number of scientists that have begun to ground their research in the non-separability of the universe, which means mm-hmm. that the belief now is that space and time emerge from consciousness mm-hmm. rather than consciousness emerging from space and time. And that does point to our belief of higher consciousness and oneness mm-hmm. and the connectivity of everything and our ability to just reach out into the universe and, and grab a fistful of wisdom anytime we need it about anything. Yeah. And we've outgrown string theory. <laughs> so congratulations. Uh, I got to call my mom. So, <laughs> mom, you won't believe it. She probably wouldn't. <laughs> but the common thread now is that space and time are not considered fundamental anymore. 
In other words, contemporary physics no longer starts with space and time, with things that are, are placed in this pre-existing background. Instead, space and time themselves, now stay with me here, they are considered products of a type of projector reality, meaning space and time is now thought of as an illusion. It's all an illusion. Um, Nathan Seberg, who is a leading string theorist at Princeton University, says that he's now certain that space and time are illusions and that these are primitive notions that are now being replaced by something that's far more sophisticated. In the same way, um, science philosopher Rasmus uh, Jackson, he wrote about when, when he said science now believes that there are no individual objects in the universe anymore and that everything is connected with everything else. It's all connected. So by adopting entanglement as the world-making relation, this comes at the price of giving up you know, what's believed to be fundamental is that giving up separability, meaning things are, are separate from me. When space and time disappear, a unified reality now begins to emerge. So what I say to you affects me. What you do over there has an effect on me. What they're doing over there that I have nothing to do with is affecting me and I'm affecting them. And the butterfly effect is a very real thing. In, in cosmology, there is this oneness that's now beginning to emerge. So already in Einstein's theory of general relativity, space is not a static stage anymore, according to quantum monism. There's only one thing that's left. There's not many things to arrange or to go in order in patterns. So there's no longer a need for the concept of space-time on the fundamental level of, of uh, definition. Well, and as wild and wonderful as this all seems, and it, and it is so new and, and, it's, and it's so different and fresh, um, as you're saying it, it absolutely resonates because, you know, it's like we're, that goes, kind of goes back to the limiting beliefs thing that you don't realize that you have. You know, we're also, as kinetic believers, we're so quick to, to embrace the idea that, look, I'm a spiritual being, I'm a, an eternal spiritual being, having this one-and-done earthly experience. And so, of course, that, you know, if we allow ourselves to think about it, we allow ourselves to ponder what you just said, um, yeah, it is, it is a, um, a simulation. It is something that is, I don't want to say less than, but I think more than, more than the life experience being less than, it points to the spiritual aspect being bigger, more important, and, and the true reality. Sure. And this is why, you know, what we've been teaching and talking about, it is so important that you not let a, a title or a label define you. Mm. Because yeah. this is where all the irony is. For so long, we've been searching for the fundamental building blocks of reality, only to find now that the very concept of individual objects are most likely an illusion. Yeah. It's just an illusion. The idea of space and time, long considered to be the, the scaffold of the universe, is now thought to be just a projection of our minds. It's as if we've been searching for the foundation of a building only to find out that the building itself is just this hologram with no solid structure to speak of. Well, and how does this fit in with our desire for life to mean something? Ah, in, in many, many ways. Not only does it fit in beautifully with the desire for meaning, but now it shows that meaning can actually be foundational to our ability to 
construct meaningful a meaningful life. Mm. In other words, it removes the concept quite quickly that I'm a victim to all of this because of the oneness that's beginning to be revealed. In other words, it's not them and then me. Right. It's us and it's one of which we now have a voice and we do have a say. And so the vastness of what we believe to be vast is only an illusion and that we really do are, we really are making an impact with our expectations now. So, wow, you know, all of a sudden, what we've all been saying all along is proven scientifically that unconditional love does matter. Mm-hmm. Loving yourself, um, it does it does, it does have implications to everyone on the planet. And these ripple effects are extremely real, and they do affect the, the, the very real experience we are having. Yeah, so the one that mm-hmm. we're talking about, or what I actually, we like to call the one love, yes. with love being a substance rather than a feeling is a single quantum universe that gives rise to space, time, and matter. It's a manifestation of a positive pro-life, pro-expansion, and pro-eternal flourishing of the mind, body, and soul toward the perfected completion that is possible. So does this does any of this mean that, you know, this experience, this life that we're living, that it's less uh, important? <laughs> <laughs> that it's less real because I think that that's probably the gut instinct is when you, when you consider mm. the idea that, okay, the, the life I'm experiencing right now, right now is a simulation, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I don't want to send that email. I don't want to take that phone call. You know, I don't, what's, what's it all mean? Why, why does any of it even matter? That's a great question. And I think the, well, the answer there is that what we thought was important is not important anymore but what we but importance is still profoundly part of our existence in a different way but in a different way what we thought was important actually was not Mm. it kind of reveals the weird things that we cling to right like it like titles like titles you know yeah Yeah, right like you know how many of us have taken forever to figure out how to sign our emails you know like how to set up our signature Gosh, what looks the best? It's a great, that great you point. Know? And then we've, you know, it's evolved to the his, her, him, all of them, and and uh, a lot of things that. And P, this is an attempt for people to try to connect with the truth of the reality that we are all one. Yes. And so there, you know, profoundly that there's an importance to to trying to to beyond go beyond the singularity of an identity. Yes. And and to correctly communicate that. Wait a minute. I think that I am part of unified in a, in a larger way that I still can't quite articulate. Mm. So here we are observing how particles react in a universe. Yeah. That's both decaying and expanding um, at the same time. And it shows us that all sentient life forms are evolving toward a perfected union. Mm. That's beautiful. And well, there's even a passage in the Bible that describes the separation of wheat from chaff or the positive from negative or an eternal, you know, there's a fundamental existence without flaw or decay. So, but what does that all, what does that mean for us? <laughs> so it means that the perfected version of a person increases with the velocity of change created by the joy of their gratitude. Can, can you say that again? Probably not. Give it it a try for me. We can increase the intensity. We can increase the the rate of of manifestation of an ideal that is 
fantastic. It's a dream. It is a hope, an aspiration for the best life to manifest and to show up by the intensity of the joy of our gratitude. Mm. This is how we increase the velocity of change in our lives. So, And that goes back to what you're always telling us, which is we have to stir this up. We have to stir up gratitude. mm -hmm. We have to stir up the concepts of kinetic belief. We have to talk about it, feel it, live it, have conversations about it, meditate on it. We have to eat, sleep, and breathe it for it to to start jumping out at us and start jumping into the reality of our life. How important is this? For goodness sakes, put a demand on it. Put a demand on your environment. Create an environment that nurtures you. Mm. Your home should be a place of respite, not one of worry and and, and, uh, chaos. Mm. It should be a place that nurtures you. That should be a hygge space, a quiet place with a candle lit. There should be a proverbial bubble bath in every room of your home there shouldn't be any any trash or or it shouldn't be disheveled start with your closet clean it up and make it a place that you don't want to escape from but escape to because look desires materialize based on the kinetic velocity of positive expectations in a positive environment and we are in control of that. And until we take control of it and exercise our rights to put a demand on these things to nurture us and to surround us, then we're just victims of of a circumstance that we have somehow said, it's out of my control. Well, and this is one of the modalities that is so vital for us to truly understand, you know, the fundamentals of the concept. Because you know, you're talking about velocity here, velocity of manifestation based off of our joy, our action, our positivity. Um, and, and a big part of that is remembering that there's the opposite of that as well. And so when we're not in the positivity, when we're not um, pursuing these, um, these kinetic belief thoughts and journaling, we're not neutral. It's really one or the other. So you're sort of either slipping over to the negative side and you're, and you're working actually really hard to manifest negativity and toxicity into your life. Mm-hmm. Or you're pulling yourself up constantly into kinetic belief, into a life of faith, into a life of belief, and seeing things manifest. So it's just so important to understand that, you know, if you're not swimming, you're drowning. And there's really no in-between. Yeah, each one of us has a function of awareness in the universe, and that function is always functioning, whether you want to participate or not. Yes. It's just what you do. And so... uh, When you're talking about the intensity, you know, you're talking about the intensity level of joy, and, you know, fear has a very intense emotion behind it. Fear. So if we allow these things just to sit and fester within our mind or within our body, um, I mean, you're at, you're really asking for it. And we, especially if you're aware, you know, especially if you're sort of aware of how bad it is for you, it's bad enough when we don't know what the heck we're doing. Yeah. So the thing <laughs> that you're fearing with intensity will come against you. In a, in a, a way of high velocity. Yeah. That is not only a quantum law of physics, but it's also a spiritual law. Yeah. But this is the theory of kinetic belief in case we have a new listener out there. It just says that there's one substance in the universe that fills all things And it's the quantum bias of every sentient life form that entangles with this substance. And a kinetic belief, which is an attribute of self-aware humans, activates manifestations. And the goal of awareness is to manifest more of a purposeful, chosen, prosperous, wonderful, beautiful reality. So how do we speed up the process of positive change in our lives? Well, if someone wants to be healed, improve relationships, or if you want to increase your wealth, the question is, how can you increase the rate of return for your desires? 
And so it's not just something that may happen in a couple of decades should your ship ever come in. It's not wishful thinking. <clears throat> it's not wishful thinking. So how can I receive what I want to change and quickly? I, <laughs> I want it now. Theoretical physicist Sean Carroll, who's uh, from John Hopkins University, wrote about this. And he said that if quantum mechanics had been taken seriously from the beginning, a lot of dead ends could have been avoided. He said that if we had approved the monistic implications of quantum mechanics, which is what we're talking about here today, that we'd be further on the way to demystifying the foundations of reality. Mm -hmm. In other words, when a person learns to operate in kinetic belief, they're teaching themselves to first believe and then to see, instead of see it first and then believe it. Yes. And they learn to trust in the illusory reality for creating the objective one. And as you practice in that and as you journal your expectations, and you work those five modalities, and we do it with an intensity of and, a, and a, an assuredness that this works for me. And I'm not doing this to see if it will, but this is the way of existence. That's how we speed it up. That's how we make things happen quickly. You know, something that I love about everything you were just laying out for us is it's something we can really cling to and keep, keep in our hearts and hold dear. Um, at any stage in life, because we go through seasons, life is full of seasons. And it, we would be, we're kidding ourselves if we say that some of the seasons are extremely difficult and we do have to push through and just sometimes it's not quantum leaps, but it's just one step at a time. Um, but this works when you're tired, you know, this works when maybe you don't feel like it, it is working. You can really rest in the knowledge that, you know, look, as long as I, do the right thing and stay the course of kinetic belief, no matter what. Um, this this is something I know. I know it on a scientific level. I know it. I I trust the math. I trust the science. And then on top of all that, I trust my spiritual knowing, the knowing in my knower, like you say sometimes, that this works and that this affects my life. And just being again, just being able. I like the word rest. You know, being able, in, especially in difficult times in life being able to rest in that knowledge and knowing that you don't have to fall backwards just because maybe you're in a difficult season. Well, seasons come because there's a necessity for change, right? Mm, yes, yes. Things need to change. And so when you recognize these seasons coming in life, rather than to avoid them, the best thing to do is to get out front and say, you know what, it's time to start sowing some seed. Mm. It's time to harvest. It's time to water. It's time to plant. It's time to get in out of the cold and to cooperate with the seasons mm. and expect mm. with an intensity change to show up in your life. I love that. Cooperate with the season. Um, acknowledge the season that you're going through and then, you know, not because isn't that it? That's the that's the auto response mm -hmm. is avoidance. And avoidance. I don't want to see it. What bill? I put that under my bed. You know, don't worry about it. I mean, <laughs> I mean but but not allowing yourself to avoid. And but isn't that it? This equips us to not need to avoid it because we have the answer because you avoid things when you don't know what to do. And that, that we always have the answer of what to do as kinetic believers. And so if we are not avoiding it and we're going to cooperate with change when it starts to show up, or at least the the tea leaves that say that the wind is changing direction and it's time for a new season. And you look for that as an opportunity with enthusiasm yeah. and, and realize that this is me going into a, a new frontier, a new place. 
a place of discovery, a place of growth and development. When I was a young boy, I used to ride my pony miles and miles away from my neighborhood. I mean, I was a little kid. And so, of course, I'm not driving, but this is my way to to journey beyond the the boundaries of, of the neighborhood I grew up in. And so I would go out and I would ride through forests where I had never been before. I would cross fields and streams and and I'd leave early in the morning. I would be gone all day and I would spend the entire day just exploring what was unknown to me. And it was during these adventures that I first discovered my love for the beauty and for the mystery of the world around me. Well, that's the same thing. That's what a season can do for each of us throughout life. We don't need a pony to go through it to find these new vistas. Mm-hmm. Well, years later, I became fascinated with the idea uh, that time, as Albert Einstein wrote about, is only a, st- a stubbornly persistent illusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're telling me that this illusion can be filled with the experiential illusory. Well, that's what I was doing as a kid. That's why those long days were so gratifying and so beautifully stimulating. Most physicists now share this view that true reality is timeless. And so if true reality is timeless and we're on a journey that will never end, then it's good to look for that there's nothing to fear in a new season coming your way. A season of, of trial and, and experimentation and trying something you've never done before, remaining curious about what's on the other side of this, because there, there's always something new. No matter, you know, and the ego wants to tell you, well, I've been there and I've done that. That's an impossibility. Mm-hmm. If you go somewhere with a new expectation of learning and developing and growing, if you go somewhere with gratitude, in a sense of wonderment, there's always something new to be revealed. Wow. This reminds us, too, that it's the experiential wisdom. It's the experiential wisdom that um, that's so valuable and that's going to give you that true sense of satisfaction. So, um, you know, making sure that we're overcoming the uh, the lies of society that say, you know, you're supposed to like this. This is supposed to entertain you. You're supposed to do this every weekend. Um, you know, putting that all aside... For the sake of kinetic belief, for the sake of, of experiential adventure, and knowing that, that the payout is going to just be the deepest, uh, really, brand of satisfaction mm. you could possibly achieve. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, isn't it? The, it's the merging of higher consciousness on these explorations with the nature of reality that keeps things exciting. Because in a yeah. way, we're, we're exploring higher consciousness, not mm-hmm. just the woods, <laughs> not just the shoreline. Yes. But it's an exploration of... Beyond self, yeah, we come to the end of ourselves in our journey, and we begin to explore the more. Mm-hmm. We both, and really, I was thinking uh, the other day about our friend in Sedona, Arizona, but we've had great conversations with physicists about higher consciousness. And the questions surrounding higher consciousness are intriguing. They are legitimate. Um for example, how does one person experience peace and calm and inner stillness while somebody else in the exact same environment, perhaps in the same household, is experiencing stress and anxiety? Mm. You're going on a vacation and everybody's in the same little car and the person driving is stressed out, anxious, and 
fuming toxicity, and the rest of you are ready to sing songs and and have a grand old time on your way. How does how how does one person have an increased sense of self awareness and clarity and feel a sense of unity and oneness with other people and with the universe? And have this increased capacity for compassion and understanding while somebody else is the total opposite. And these are valid questions. To increase consciousness, level of joy, understanding, um, and experience with beyond labels, it's important to implement ways of doing it. How do you practically do that? And this is where we always want to get to in these podcasts. We, I don't know that we always do, but. Well, um, it's, you know, we were laughing about this just the other day, how this is like, you know, the never ending conversation. <laughs> it will never be finished, will it? Correct. And I don't want it to be. Exactly. But mindfulness, that is a powerful way of tapping into higher consciousness, focusing the mind on just a single point of reference in order to cultivate a sense of inner stillness and clarity. And it's becoming aware of yourself, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And your surroundings. Without the labels that result in, in, it always in turn produces an expansive sense of clarity. And it brings attention to the present moment, and it does it without judgment. And that just leads to a a greater sense of self-awareness. Well, that that process is going to have a huge um, requirement for honesty. Honesty Mm. with self. Um, authenticity, you know, because you just described the person that's always stressed out, walking around mad as a hornet. And, you know, that's a lot of the times that's not necessarily because they don't know that they are and they're not self-aware enough. It's because they like to control people that we, with those, um, with those antics. But as a kinetic believer, you know, a huge part of this entire process is constantly self-observing, self-actuating, um, being able to answer, ask yourself the, the needed, the necessary questions, give incredibly honest answers, um, and, and then always reaching out for that, you know, sort of brass ring of, of true authenticity, knowing that that's always going to, as, as painful as it might be, um, it's always going to result in, in this kinetic belief, next level life, next level, next level, next level. That we're, that we're reaching for. Well, by increasing awareness, most people are going to experience an increase in feelings of compassion and empathy. And mm-hmm. so they lose that yes. desire to be controlling. Indeed. And, and this is because a higher level of consciousness illuminates the disparities between people. And increased consciousness just it gives a person's life a greater sense of meaning and purpose, actually. It creates a more profound comprehension of the essence of reality, which truly enables you to be able to handle challenging circumstances with a serenity and a balance mm. without knee-jerk reactions and, you know, meeting negativity with negativity and all those things. And, you know, not to downplay life too much, but it, it, the more that I learn about kinetic belief and the more that you teach us about uh, all of this on a quantum level, um, the more it just almost feels like a game. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that we have permission to approach life with a light heart. And we are allowed to live, to see life as something that is intrinsically fun. And, um, and really it's the way that children approach life. 
You know, everything is a game. Everything is playful. And yes, you have real life outcomes, but it's, it's a mindset that we are absolutely allowed to tap into and live and live with, live by. Well, the mind is a, a personal warehouse for storing emotional feelings. Mm. And nobody can decide on a feeling, can they? I mean, we just we each have the power to decide our focus, which creates our feelings and negative opportunities. They don't, in other words, they don't just grab you by the hand. They first have to work on your mind. Mm. Mm. Yes, they have to. They have to do something with your mind, and that's why mindfulness that we talk about is so imperative to our success. Because what we allow ourselves to think about can either destroy us or can strengthen us. And this is why it is so important to renew and to train the mind. Yeah. Train your mind. Take authority over the mind. Determine what you will allow yourself to dwell upon and to think about. And you can feel yourself start to sink or to, to uh, elevate yeah. based on what you are turning over and over and over in your mind. And I have to say, if, if you're, you're having trouble controlling your mind, casting down thoughts, physical um, putting down the physical, and, and by that I just mean anything from even like working out, doing something that's physically strenuous um, is a really good first step toward, you know, overlaying, like really like reaching across that aisle and, and being able to control your thoughts. Because if that's something that maybe you're at the beginning, maybe you're having trouble doing that, being able to control your body as a first step is huge. We've talked about yeah. that many times with, you know, something as simple as exercise. Yeah, that's a great point. And if you are going to exercise and you've been having nightmares about zombies, don't put your iPad on your elliptical and watch a movie about zombies while you exercise. Take control of your thoughts <laughs> you're practicing and what you're away. allowing to, <laughs> to be input through those windows to the soul. Oh, man. Because, it, well, anybody can begin recreating their reality through mental images, pictures, or by immersing themselves in beautiful environments like a serene forest or a flowing river. We were fly fishing out in Wyoming and you were a hundred yards away and, and we we're both standing in the middle of the Snake River. And it was a beautiful uh, sunny afternoon and the, the, the crystal, the, the sunlight was just looked like crystal particles on the water as it's flowing by and it was just beautiful. And there was the eagle for real, not making it up. And he's just sitting <laughs> on a limb above you. And there we are. And I can go back to that moment and imagine and reimagine that that moment, the 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 imagery and the the feeling of the the current going by and the serenity of that flowing river, and it creates a feeling. Yes. And it's instant. And what I'm doing is I'm giving myself permission to my for my higher consciousness to displace my lower self with positive, beautiful images of that afternoon. Mm. And so I choose images that motivate me toward inner peace and presence, and I continuously fill my mind with these positive thoughts. It's kind of funny how the first step toward that process is, <laughs> the first step toward awareness is awareness. So, <laughs> you know, to become aware, you must first become aware of awareness. Um, <laughs> little, but, <laughs> little critical thinking there. <laughs> but it's, it's sort of true, you know, just, mm. the, just planting the seed within your mind that you can be mindful and that you can have control over your thoughts is absolutely the first step toward making this happen. And you don't have to wrestle with the thoughts either because words, sounds, music, all of those create feelings and from those feelings can 
will uh, emerge thoughts that mm-hmm. you can control. And so I pay attention to the words I say yeah. and the conversations that I'm going to listen to because they have an impact on my emotions. Mm-hmm. All of these things we can control, uh, these windows, what we are allowing in and uh, to affect us. When you said something years ago to me that I, I've never forgotten and I rely on it so many times, which is you cannot get rid of a thought, but you can replace a thought. Mm-hmm. And the same with habits, but right now we're talking about thoughts. Um, and, and that's why the whole process of that we call cast that thought down, um, part of that process is replacing it. So if you need to look a little crazy and say things out loud, you know, if, if you don't feel good, something feels off or sick in your body, to get rid of that negative thought that something's coming on you, that something toxic is entering your body, then we, we need to immediately jump in there and get our, our sort of spiritual backup and start saying, no, I am, I am the healed, maintaining my healing. And we have to put our words to this process, preferably out loud. Um, and you know, somebody sees us and thinks we're crazy, then that's just fine because we're healed and crazy. Well, well, because, yes, words are things (laughs) and there's substance to our words. And those are positive affirmations. You're speaking them out loud. We're creating a quantum effect in our, not just making yourself feel good. You're actually creating change Mm. when you do that. (laughs) Another thing that you've, I'm just really remembering a lot of your stuff today, Steve. See, I could Uh, run out the front door right now. and and Y'all, Steve said this to me one time. Um, but but really, um, something else that you, that you did is, is I, uh, you know, it's a long time ago, but I said something negative about myself and you said, do you want me to agree with you? Because we had recently discussed the power of, you know, two kinetic believers, you know, coming together in the power of agreement. And so that'd be a great thing, right? For the KVs to think out there. Like if you're tempted to say something or if you, if you wonder if you should be saying something, you know, just think, well, gosh, you know, would I want Steve or Meg to... Come, come knock on my door and say, okay, you want me to agree with you that you don't feel good today, that you're hurting, that you're broke, that you're whatever. Powerful. And it's, it's you know, it, we could perhaps this, we make this appear to be complicated at times with all of the things that we talk about to support and back up what we know to be true. But accessing higher consciousness is not complicated. Well, isn't it... Isn't that it, though? It may feel complicated at the beginning, but it's only complicated because you're having to deconstruct all of these um, inaccurate truths or false truths that have been put on you for your whole life. And so once you get rid of all that, um, oh, man, the simplicity is actually sort of wonderful. And all of that just requires (laughs) intention and purpose. Yes. Yes, it does. Because if I can learn to work with my mind, I have the power to rearrange my life and to change my world. There's a scripture in the Bible that says that a mind kept on the Creator is kept in perfect peace. Mm, And I can tell you unequivocally that the battle of life is for the mind, and the battle of the mind is for focus. It's for focus. Uh, Socrates, who Plato learned from, said the unexamined life is not worth living. Take time for introspection. Do it through journaling and meditation. Ask tough questions of yourself like, you know, what motivates you? What do you want out of life? And then accept the answer that the universe gives you regardless of how difficult or impossible it may seem. You do this and you're going to gain a better understanding of yourself and your place in the world. Let's work on some highest viewpoints. Okay. Just say this and say it aloud, and it doesn't matter what they think about you while you're doing this. Ooh, and hey, this is the perfect um, opportunity to replace any thoughts 
that you need to. Absolutely. Just say this. I am filled with a sense of gratitude. I am filled with a sense of gratitude. For the abundance of blessings in my life. For the abundance of blessings in my life. Each dawn. Each dawn. I awaken with a sense of excitement. I awaken with a sense of excitement. To explore and embody my true self. To explore and embody my true self. By speaking words of positivity. By speaking words of positivity. I attract only good into my life. I attract only good into my life. Be it positive circumstances. Be it positive circumstances. Or like-minded individuals. Or like-minded individuals. Like other KBs. Hey, like other KBs. I possess. I possess. An unwavering faith. An unwavering faith. In my innate brilliance. In my innate brilliance. And I harness this power. And I harness this power. To uplift my mind, body, and spirit. To uplift my mind, body, and spirit. Through the practice of journaling. Through the practice of journaling. I expand my imagination. Mm, I expand my imagination. I clarify my thoughts. I clarify my thoughts. And align my actions. And align my actions. To attract abundance. To attract abundance. And prosperity. And prosperity. Right now. Right now. Before my very eyes. Before my very eyes. My desires are taking shape. My desires are taking shape. And they're flourishing. And they're flourishing. They're granting me. They're granting me. An ever-increasing abundance. An ever-increasing abundance. And regardless what others may say or do. Regardless of what others may say or do. I am so content. I'm so content. And brimming with joy. And brimming with joy. I am the embodiment. I am the embodiment. Of my aspirations. Of my aspirations. A living vessel. A living vessel. For their manifestation. For their manifestation. Every day. Every day. I visualize my ideal life. I visualize my ideal life. And I steadfastly act on this vision. And I steadfastly act on this vision. Allowing it. Allowing it. To grow grow and flourish. To grow and flourish. I possess. I possess. The imaginative power. The imaginative power. To shape my reality. To shape my reality. Into a beautiful tapestry. Mm, into a beautiful tapestry. Mm, yes. I think I remember the website. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Where, where are your notes? <laughs> right. StephenCanyon.com. Make sure you go there and sign up to receive newsletters. And also you can send us a text at 844 844- Eight four four zero zero four nine, and you will receive encouraging uh, text messages from Stephen. And those aren't really sent weekly, are they? Those are they're more uh, whenever you have a thought to share with everyone. Why don't we send one this week? Yeah, I like that. Look, to truly grasp the power of kinetic belief, just understand that life as it appears is not enough. Mm. It was never meant to be enough. If it was enough, then humankind would be finished, and we're not. Your ability to kinetically believe is like a canvas waiting to be painted with the vivid hues of your desires and highest aspirations. So if nothing else, dream a little dream and let nothing stop you from realizing it. Mm. Sending out much love and light to all you KB creatives all around the world. Mm. Thanks as usual, Steve, for all the wisdom. Bye.